Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Are you listening? Yo, what's going on, everybody? This is Marcus, and you are tuned in to the Black Married and Debt-Free Podcast. My wife, Shire, and I were able to eliminate six figures worth of debt, and we're all about empowering others to do the same. So on this podcast, we'll be talking about investing, real estate, early retirement, marriage, and much more. But you don't have to worry. It won't be done in the same boring format that you're used to. We're going to put a little bit of swag on it. So enjoy today's episode. Hi, everyone. It's Shira Murray, and I want to thank you for checking out another episode of the Black Married and Debt-Free Podcast. Today, I'm riding solo because Marcus got the boot, and he got the boot because this episode is for the ladies. But if you're a brother, don't turn it off just yet because we have a very special guest today. So joining us is Minda Hartz. She is the CEO of The Memo a career development community platform that provides women of color with the resources they need to excel. And today we are going to be talking about her book entitled The Memo, What Women of Color Need to Know to Secure a Seat at the Table. We are so happy to have her. Minda, how are you today? Ira, thank you for having me. And Marcus, sorry that you got the boot, but I know you're here in spirit. Uh, Appreciative to be here today. Thank you. Of course. So I came across you on Instagram and I found you because someone was raving about your book. And so I saw the book. I was like, I think I need this. And, you know, I ended up looking you up and I saw the great work that you were doing. And I immediately text Marcus and I was like, we need to try to get her on the podcast. And so graciously, you accepted the invitation. And um, as I said, I'm so happy to have you here. And yes, I ordered the book. (laughs) You know, and um, let me just tell you all who are listening, you have to get this book. Okay, it did not disappoint. For me, it was um, deeply personal and it spoke to me on so many different levels. And so, um, Minda, if you can, can you just take a moment to talk to us about um, the memo and maybe the inspiration behind it? Yeah, thank you so much. You know, so my story isn't uh, unusual for a black woman to be one of the only ones in the workplace. You know, many of us have, um, that's been our life, right, inside of our workplaces. And one of the things that I realized was I had learned to silence myself. I had learned to shrink. I had learned to center other people, the majority. And it just got really taxing and emotional. And I said, you know, what am I doing to make the workplace better than I found it? Am I just perpetuating this ugly cycle or am I part of the solution? And um, I, at the time, it was around the Trayvon Martin um, when he was murdered. And I just thought, God, what can I do? And I do believe it was like, a, as Kanye says, a God dream that, you know, I was able to use what tools I had to try to help others that look like us. Right. And for those who don't look like us, for them to understand what it's like to be us in the workplace. Uh, So long story short, uh, I didn't know what that would look like. uh, But in 2015, I ended up creating a platform called the Memo uh, LLC, which was 
I still had my day job. I was just building, but I thought, you know, at least if I could start talking about some of these things, maybe it would add value to other black and brown women, women of color. And so even longer story short, created that, started with a, a blog really every Monday. And then it just kept building from there. And I realized that there was this gap in career development for us, by us, because a lot of the platforms are white women telling us what we should be doing. And so I was just like, yo, we have to be at the center of our own stuff. And so um, had the opportunity to write the book. And even in that, it was a, a labor of love because there's five major publishers, four of them said, no, there's no audience for this book. Book will never sell. Who talks about race? Black women and brown women don't experience this. right? And here we go. Here we are in 2020, where everything has pretty much blown up um, race wise inside the workplace and people are forced to look at us now. They're forced to see us and and uh, and I'm here for it. And, and it's a love letter to us, really. Like, you know, you work too hard to lean out now. Right, right. And you feel that as you're going through the book. And so, you know, Black women are now one of the most educated groups in America. And as they take that leap from college into the workforce, what are some of the unexpected realities that women are are um, facing in corporate America? Yeah, it's crazy because it's those unwritten rules, or as I call them, the ugly truths that we all don't know. And I even got chills when you said we're the most educated group, because when you think about it, you think of where we've come from and our ancestors, they're somewhere hooting and hollering right now, like, yes, yes, sis, you know, like they, they tried to stop us from getting that good education and now we're the most educated. And so it, it's really amazing when you think about it. And for me, it's like, okay, if we share our secret sauce, if we talk about our story so that it doesn't have to be a surprise that these are some things that might happen, but here's some ways that you can still um, navigate them. And, and some of those things that I learned were um, the imposter syndrome, right? You know, not coming from some of the backgrounds that some of my colleagues had. And so I thought I was operating at a deficit where when I changed my mindset, I realized that I actually had a lot more to offer and I was just had as much to offer as they did. Um, but the microaggressions, AKA racism, as subtle as they might be, as overt as they might be. Um, and then just the opportunity gap, right? Uh, we could work as hard as we want. And I think for many of us, we've been told just work hard, keep your head down. And while we're working hard, keeping our head down, everybody else is being promoted <laughs> and all the things. And so um, there's some, some tips and tricks that we, I think have to, redefine what success looks like for black women. And it can't be just with our head down. It's time we lift our head up and, and make those moves and, and talk about how we make them. Yes. Yes. That is some great advice. Keep your head up. And another thing that you talked about in your book, um, you talked about networking, networking and building your squad. And so can you talk to us um, a little bit about the importance of, of doing that um, as it relates to uh, working your way up, you know, within an organization or even outside of the organization that you might currently be in? Yeah, you know, I think this is like one of the, the ugly truths that nobody tells us is that you have to kind of make work friends. Right? And I think for many of us, we're like, just let me do my job and leave, leave me alone, right? Am I doing a good job? Okay. Uh, but what we realize is it's those internal networks that are happening, right? The, the people that are going to the happy hours, or in our case, the virtual book clubs or the virtual happy hours, the people who are showing their face on video, you know, like they're the ones that are getting the shine 
Um, even if we're doing, you know, our numbers are the best, but this is what people perceive as, oh, she's friendly. Oh, she's a go-getter uh, because they're looking at some of these, you know, external or social factors. And I think many of our careers have hurt, have been harmed because we didn't know that you needed to go to the break room birthday party because Bob was checking to see if you were going to be there, <laughs> you know, like just right. to get these unwritten rules and, and not just to go to the happy hour, just to go to the happy hour, but to build relationships, to be build key relationships with people who could help elevate and speak your name when you're not in the zoom room or whatever room <laughs> we're in. And so, um, those are the things. And I make a joke in the book and I say, you know, you're wondering why, you know, <laughs> Becky is uh, getting promoted while you're at home, you know, watching girl reruns of Girlfriends. Becky was in the spots, right? She was on the Zoom. She was in the break rooms. And, and oftentimes, the majority, they look at those things uh, in addition to doing our work. And so I think that we have to, if we want a seat and if we want those opportunities, then we're going to have to put ourselves out there in a way that we might not have wanted to in order to get what we need to get that seat. Absolutely. So it's so important that we step out of our comfort zone. And even as many of us are walk, you know, working from home, you know, as you kind of hinted to making sure that you're on those Zoom calls, making sure you're on those those retirement calls, you know, maybe you maybe they will be gracious enough to have a separate call, you know, with you now that they've retired to give you some tips on how to, you know, um, navigate, you know, so that's be present and step out of your comfort zone. So that that is that's great. And another thing that was a theme was the need for self-advocacy and how you have to advocate, you know, for yourself um, in the in the workplace. So can you talk to us a little bit about that and maybe what that might look like? Yeah, uh, I think self-advocacy is one of those things that, again, like networking, they might be hard, right, to put yourself out there in a way. And I mean, let's be honest, many of us have been in our roles and we might have been there longer than we should have. And we thought, oh, this should have happened. Or you have that one on one with your manager who's not that invested in your success. Maybe they don't have an agenda, but have you brought your agenda to them? Right. So we can't wait on anybody to tap us on the shoulder and be like, hey, Minda, it's your turn. No, let's talk about what my goals are. Let's talk about what I've added to the bottom line. And I think, um, again, we've been told just work hard and keep your head down and that'll get you far. But that's not the world we live in when it comes to black and brown women. You know, we have to make our voices known because the same people that you, you used to pass in the hallway, they would act like they don't know you in line somewhere else. You know, <laughs> so it's really important that we advocate for ourselves because nobody's going to advocate the way that we can. Nobody knows the work that we're doing. And again, when I was writing my book, over 70% of the women, black women, brown women that I interviewed said 70% of them said that they felt like their managers were invested in their success. And so if that is true, which I think um, many of us could probably say <laughs> that is true, uh, we have to bring the agenda, right? We have to let them know, this is what I'm looking for. Can you help me get here? And so I think it's really important that we get clear on what we want, right? We're no longer centering others, but centering ourselves. What are our long-term and short-term goals and making sure we're getting those assignments that get us closer to that. And again, we just can't wait for someone to notice us. Like we got to let them know that we're here and we're doing it and here's what here's what we need. And, and also self-advocacy, is also knowing when this place isn't for you.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I remember I went to like a like a women's uh, workplace training and on like for young leaders and one person was talking about their leadership experience and journey and she said, you know, say yes to the things that will move you forward. And so I l- love how you brought out like you need to have an agenda, you know, while you're working. And so use your network, use the people who um, you're you're around to help uh, move you forward, especially, you know, if they, you know, if you feel supported, you know, by your manager or whoever, whoever it might be. And so another thing that you talked about in your book is the role of mentors and sponsors. And I, I think that a lot of times people go to work and they just think, oh, these are just my coworkers. And it's like, no, they don't have to be just your coworkers. You know, they can, they can um, fill specific roles um, in your life to help move you forward. So can you talk to us a little bit about uh, maybe what a mentor is in a, in a, or a sponsor and the difference between the two? Yeah, you know, and, and something that you'd mentioned earlier about your squad, your coworkers aren't just your coworkers. They could potentially be people on your team, right? So if you think of yourself as the captain of your team, you need teammates. You know, success is not a solo sport. And at work, we can work as hard as we can. But at the end of the day, there might be some people who we don't have to work as hard if we have the right relationships. And so, right. um, so I think it's really important, again, for us to think about what our goals are. And that's why you're befriending uh, folks in a way that feels authentic to you. And I think um, I write about one situation where I had one woman who she was a mentor. She gave me advice about different things. Maybe it might have been the clothes I wear or how to prepare for a meeting, those sorts of things. And that was an informal relationship. I knew she was my mentor because she was invested in me, but we didn't have, I didn't have to slide her a paper and say, yes or no, are you my mentor? Right? So I, I think sometimes we feel like we have to formalize that. Sometimes it will happen, sometimes it won't, but it doesn't mean they're not mentoring you or providing advice. And so you can have peer mentors, people alongside of you that know something a little more than you and they can give you advice. So that's great. But then also when you think about levels ahead of you, Right. So right now, uh, our companies are talking about, you know, how did we advance black employees? What do we need to do to shift? So you need to have making those connections so that those people are speaking your name in the room when they're thinking about who should we advance right now? Who, you know, who's out there, blah, blah, blah. You want them to be thinking about you right now. You want to reach out to them right now. And that person that helps you potentially could be your sponsor. Right. They have the power. They have the influence that people will say, oh, yeah, Minda, she's the one. And they're like, oh, well, we don't know Minda, but since you vouched for her, boom. You know, so a sponsor, they're leveraging their privilege. Uh, Both are needed, but that sponsor could really exponentially catapult your career. um, And you don't have to keep your head down working as hard (laughs) having the right one. Right, right. And you know, I found this book to be to be really uplifting. It is definitely a page turner. It's not something that you read a little bit and you put it down for a couple of weeks. It's like once you get like just how it started off, like you start off talking about Trayvon Martin and and how it's so relevant. Unfortunately, it's so relevant, you know, t- today, you know, and so it just was a um, 
a page turner for me. I just kept going and going, you know. Um, but one of the things you talk about is that, you know, as black women, we have to make um, tough decisions, you know, when it comes to the workplace. And I remember um, getting an interview, um, an inter- uh, what felt to be a big interview um, for me. Um, and at the time, I was working at a nonprofit. A lot of my coworkers were, you know, black and brown folks and, you know, you know, and I would wear my hair natural. And one day I went to work and someone said that I looked like Shirley Temple. Okay. They refer, you know, they saw my curls and it was just like, oh, you're, you're just a cute, you're, you're such a cute black girl with those, you know, you just look like Shirley Temple. And I remember um, feeling uh, so self-conscious. I knew that I had an interview coming up and I was like, maybe I need to straighten my hair, you know? And so I just remember having this internal dialogue and I remember talking um, to one of my co- one of my colleagues about it. And it's just like, you know, I, I think I might just have to, you know, just straight, you know, straighten my hair, you know? And so I ended up straightening my hair and doing some other things and, and landing the job. And, you know, I just feel that, um, I guess the question I'm trying to formulate is how do we balance the desire to be true to ourselves um, while also knowing the pressure to conform to, you know, these rules, you know, that seem to permeate through corporate America, you know, both written, um, excuse me, both mostly unwritten and unspoken rules. Yeah, exactly. And there's probably not one black woman out there that has not been in a similar situation, right? It might not be hair, it might be your name, it might be something. And I think that for us, again, we've been conditioned to put everybody ahead of us, right? And because we've seen who gets ahead, we think that that's the prototype. Um, And and in many ways, it has been because that's what we've seen, right? That's what's on the magazines. That's what's in the C-suite, if there's any in the C-suite. And so for me, I really had to lean into that because I was really killing myself softly trying to be what they wanted me to be. And even if you do all the things they want you to do, doesn't mean that you get the seat, right? And so you have to understand what about, so when we say bring our authentic selves to work, uh, what pieces of yourself do you want to bring, right? How do you feel most comfortable? And I think that if people are concerned about our hair being in an Afro or straight, then this is it's going to be the least of our concerns. There's going to be other issues, right? So let's pay attention to what those things are, because if we can't even show up with the hairstyle we want, then you better believe there's going to be some issues down the line. And I think we, as black women, women of color, we have to pay attention to those signs. And one of my favorite quotes is by Audre Lorde. She says, beware of feeling like you're not good enough to deserve it. Do we not deserve being able to go into the workplace just like Bob and Kim get to, they get to decide what their hair is, right? They get, nobody's asking them about it. No. And why don't we, why aren't we afforded the same thing? And so my thing is, again, let's redefine the narrative. The narrative has been built for us, but we get to decide. And if it's not just me, not just you, but us as a collective, then we're not talking about these things. And we, and we're not letting, that's their issue, right? That's right. now their issue. And I think it really starts in the mind. Um, we have to start reminding ourselves that everything we do is not at the white gaze, right? And that's going to take time to be able to flip. And so for me, I, I've been wearing my hair straight primarily my whole career. So that's what I am most used to seeing my, <laughs> myself in. Right? So it's, it's, it, it starts to ingrain inside of you. But I think that as Black women, we really have to learn to center ourselves. And if that place doesn't want us there in that way, then that's good for us. We don't have to waste our time. But lastly, I'll say... Um, The other part of that is understanding your culture, 
right? Because mm -hmm. if you are in banking or you are in finance and this is the type of top clientele, but you know, I really need this to move my career forward. So you might say, you know what? I'm going to rock this straight hair because this is going to get me where I want to go. But you are doing it on your terms, not because you think that's what they want. And so that's what it's just a, an option to kind of say, you know, what's going to make us feel comfortable here in this environment? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that's that's great advice. What up, y'all? It's your boy, Kevin, on stage. And I want to tell you about Black Married and Debt Free, okay? They're a couple that paid off $110,000 in debt in 2017. And now they want to educate and inspire millennial couples to do the same. So what I want y'all to do is subscribe to their page. Go on YouTube, go on Instagram, and get the following going at Black Married Debt Free. It's everywhere, all right? So if y'all don't want to be broke no more, you want to be debt free in victory. Then go follow them, Google them, look them up, and see what they're talking about because don't nobody want to be broke. You feel me? I have a big question, but like in in general, what is what is your message to women of color? Yes, um, my message really is that the table starts in your mind. I think for so long, we don't even, we've just taken what people have given us, right? But what would it look like if we took what we wanted and we, or we built what we wanted, right? Uh, based off of our needs, because we've center everyone, even in our families, right? We put everybody first. And I just think about how many black women died uh, going to their grave, not centering themselves and not dealing with their trauma. And so for me, I'm just, I want us to know what freedom feels like, freedom in the workplace, freedom in our relationships, freedom with our money, right? We, we've worked really hard. Our ancestors worked really hard. Um, and so the other part of that is what are we leaving behind? What legacy are we leaving for the next generation? Because so many women paved the way so that you and I could even have these conversations, take up space the way we do. So how are we making it better for the sisters coming up behind us? And so that takes courage. So my message is lean into your courage and push aside your caution because nobody benefits when we're cautious. I love that. That is, that's so wonderful, you know, and for me, as I share, this book was such a, a breath of fresh air and I feel that it's good for women in all career phases. So like, if you're just getting started, you need to get this book. If you've been in the workplace for a while, you need to get this book. If you're feeling stuck and you're not sure, um, what your next step is, um, you need to get this book, you know? <laughs> so there are tips for your, for, for your resume, for crafting out your, your purpose statement, um, tips for pitching your personal brand. And I felt that, um, after reading this book, I felt empowered and I felt encouraged and I just want to encourage our listeners to, to, to and I, I know I'm sounding like a promo right now and I don't mean to, but I just really want to stress that there's so much vital information in this book. And it's not just about getting a job because what we are about on this platform is building wealth, wealth for ourselves and wealth for those who will come after us. And the workplace is a, you know, pr provides an income that can be invested to do the things that we, you know, that we desire to do. So if you're feeling stuck, y'all need to connect with Minda. And so as we close today, can you tell our listeners where they can connect with you? Yeah. And again, I just want to thank you all for seeing me and inviting me to talk 
uh, to your audience. And, you know, brothers, you guys listening, get it from your wife. Do a joint book club. Like, I have so many men that have written me saying, I originally got it from my wife, but I'm reading it too, and it's my story too. <laughs> you know, lightweight. <laughs> so, um, yes. But- Find me at MindaHearts.com. I have all my information there. I'm most active on Twitter at MindaHearts. Lovely. Well, we appreciate your time today and the wisdom that you shared. And thanks again for being on the Black Married and Debt Free Podcast. Thank you. Perfect. Yo, so we hope you guys enjoyed that podcast episode. We hope that we said something that you can take away and apply. We are here to inform and to inspire. So do us a huge favor and don't forget to rate this podcast five stars on whatever platform you're streaming us. And if you want to become a supporter of the Black Merit and Debt Free podcast, you can do so by clicking on the link below. That's it for now. Till next time, I'll let you guys later.